0: God bless you, and welcome to Yesterday Ended, Healing the Traumas of Life. I'm your host, Dennis Dobbin. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is indeed wonderful to receive a gift from a dear friend, particularly when they are unexpected. Not something given on your birthday, not something given at Christmas, a special gift given out of love. We expect gifts on our birthdays and Christmas, but when they come freely on an unqualified day, they take on special quality. And the great thing about true gifts is they are never earned. No work can be done and no work is required for a true gift. True gifts are amazing to receive. And this brings us to the greatest gift of all, God's grace. Do you struggle thinking you must work to be good enough to receive salvation and the rest of the promises of God? Do you believe you must work to receive salvation? Do you believe you must work to receive his love? To find out more about this precious and amazing gift of grace, give a listen. Working, having a job, has been around since the Garden of Eden. God put Adam into the garden to dress it and keep it. Even then, there was no free lunch. Adam and Eve had to cultivate their food. Work is a basic or foundational part of life. Now, the best part of work is we get paid for what we do. God says that we should get paid when we work. In Leviticus, it even says that masters should pay their employees promptly and not wait. Then, in 1 Timothy 5, verse 18, it says, For the Scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. So let me ask you a question. What makes you worthy of salvation? The word worthy in 1 Timothy 5, verse 18, is the Greek word axis, and it is a reference to a balanced scale. You are to get a balanced wage according to the work you have accomplished. What work can you do that you could exchange for salvation. This sounds ridiculous, yet in so many ways and in so many denominations, people do things that they think will make them earn or make them worthy of salvation. Let's approach it from another angle. I spoke about gifts and about working and their difference. Let's talk about being a child. No newborn infant ever worked to gain their place in their family. They were born into the family. They didn't work for it, therefore they could not earn it. In a manner, the mother and father gifted their child with life. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, freely gave his life so that we might receive the gift of salvation and be a child of grace. It comes to me so freely and touches my heart so completely It opens the doors so fully and invites me inside. Inside to a relationship, a family beloved, I am a child of grace. By it I am called and saved and freely justified. By it I am defined and refined and serve God. It helps me in times of need and in it I stand. This is but a simple taste of amazing grace, God's saving gift by Christ. I am a child of grace. One of the benefits of salvation is our entrance into the family of God. You have been born again, and you have now become a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away, and it's time to behold all things are become new. You are at a new beginning when you accept God's gracious gift of salvation. I was a missionary many years ago in a small town of northern Louisiana called Monroe. I have affectionately titled the city, The Buckle of the Bible Belt. Eighty percent of those people I spoke to identified as church-going Christians. I was sent there primarily to speak to students at a university in town. There was a river, or as they say in Louisiana, a bayou, that went through the middle of campus. There was a long bridge that spans the bayou. As I approached the bridge one day, I began to speak to a young man about the Bible. He indicated he believed in God and the Bible and went to church, but he wasn't sure whether or not he was saved. He departed, and as I got to the middle of the bridge, I got to speaking to another young man who again acknowledged he went to church and believed in God, but again was not sure if he was saved. He had no understanding of salvation by grace. He didn't know it was given to him as a gift from God and Jesus. He had no assurance of his faith. Do you fully believe that your salvation is complete and was given to you as a gift by grace from God through Jesus? Is grace truly amazing Or is there still some work involved? Let's look at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 to begin to unpack this great subject of grace. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Here it tells us we are justified by faith. As you continue reading in the book of Romans, you will come to find out that faith is the opposite of works. The book of Romans contrasts receiving righteousness by faith as opposed to what the Jews tried to work for, which was righteousness by works of the law. Over 600 laws. Our faith, which is not a work, is in the work of Jesus, who gave his life so we could receive the gift of righteousness. Through Jesus, we have access, again by faith, into this grace wherein we stand. Through Jesus, we have access. Remember, he is the way. He is the doorway through which we enter into this grace wherein we stand. This grace refers back to verse 1, being justified by faith, and having peace with God. That's a good place to stand. You got there only because of Jesus, not because of your works. So quit trying to be good, to receive his righteousness, and just be the righteous person Christ made you. It's all about what God did through Jesus. Let's look at another aspect of this grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. This clearly shows that salvation is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. As my introduction indicates, gifts are not earned. They are freely given. There are no strings attached. We are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. This verse literally means that our Being saved does not come out of ourselves. It does not originate from within us. It is strictly a gift of God. It is time to start enjoying all that you have been given in this gift of salvation. As stated before, you are righteous. You were taken into the court of God, and by his judgment on Christ, the price for salvation was paid, and we are all justified and therefore declared righteous. We have been redeemed from sin and the curse of the law. You have been set apart from this world and are now made holy unto our God. It's time to live like who we are. You are totally and fully and freely reconciled to God. Unfortunately, so many have been taught that we must add to the work of Jesus to truly become worthy of salvation. The next verses I want to look at will show the proper contrast of the subject. We begin in Romans chapter 11, verse 5. Even so then, at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. We were elected or selected for salvation by grace. And if it's grace, then it can't be works. Otherwise, grace isn't grace. These verses challenge the concept of being made righteous by works. It's trying to force us to recognize if I have to do one thing, it's not grace its works. So which is it for you? Is Jesus truly your savior all by himself? Or do you have to help him out by cleaning yourself up and making yourself holy and walking in the shame of your unworthiness? The truth is, you are now defined by grace. As my poem states it, you are a child of grace. There's a great verse in 1 Corinthians fifteen ten that shows this aspect of grace. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I but the grace of God which was with me. I am what I am by the grace of God. It is grace that has brought me to this present place in my life. And let me clarify one thing that's very important. Most people think of grace simply as God's divine or unmerited favor. That's one small aspect of grace. In this verse, Paul goes on to state that he worked more abundantly than the other apostles. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. The Greek word translated with indicates a deep union. Paul was completely united with the grace of God and by it accomplished all the works of his life. Grace enables us. There is another verse in Hebrews that shows this aspect of the enablement of grace in our lives. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably, with reverence and godly fear. Grace is the means, the instrument through which we can serve God. One larger definition of grace that I have heard and come to accept is that grace is the empowering presence of God to do his will. How many verses throughout Scripture indicate that God works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure? Most of the time we need to get out of God's way to allow him to work in our lives. We need to surrender to his grace and goodness. Religion would have us believe that we should live in a state of unworthiness, that before God we stand in a sense of shame. He is holy and we are not. But the truth is he made us holy through the blood of Jesus. He made us worthy. And he did it by his will and through his grace by Christ. We see this in Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. According to his own purpose and grace, he saved us and called us. It was given to us in Christ before the world began. It's time to recognize that we can truly walk boldly, without shame, to the throne of grace, not judgment, to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God does not withhold his favor from us because of our sin. As the forgiving father towards his prodigal son was waiting for him to reinstate him into the family, so our Heavenly Father waits for us to leave the land of shame and unworthiness and come into his arms and be a child of grace. It comes to me so freely and touches my heart so completely. It opens the doors so fully and invites me inside. INSIDE TO A RELATIONSHIP, A FAMILY BELOVED, I AM A CHILD OF GRACE. BY IT I AM CALLED AND SAVED AND FREELY JUSTIFIED. BY IT I AM DEFINED AND REFINED AND SERVE GOD. IT HELPS ME IN TIMES OF NEED AND IN IT I STAND. THIS IS BUT A SIMPLE TASTE OF AMAZING GRACE, GOD'S SAVING GIFT BY CHRIST. I AM A CHILD OF GRACE. As you read the New Testament in the future, look at how grace is the standard of the time in which we live. Grace is the standard by which so many things are measured out. As a child of grace, you stand before the Father, or better yet, you rest within his embrace on his lap. We are confident in his goodness towards us and that he will be faithful to his promises forever. Consider this one last promise and aspect of grace. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 16. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. We are given everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. They were given to you. You didn't have to earn them. And here it reminds us that we are loved by Jesus and the Father to the extent that they gave us these wonderful blessings. We can forever be comforted and stand with an expectation of good because of grace, because we are a child of grace.